Today, as you know, we are with Chelsea Green, who is a independent musician who has quit her day job probably about a year a year ago. We'll ask her about that. She'll tell us about her journey. I am Alexis Kimbrough, your music money mentor and founder of Growth Group. Um, Chelsea and I have been working together for the last, uh, let's see, I guess it's been since 2014. So it's been three years now. Um, it's been a joy for me. I've seen her perform live here in Atlanta. Um, and we've had some good times together. So we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. And then at the end, we will also take your questions. So we're going to do a little Q&A so you can kind of get to know Chelsea and her story and so that you can ask her the questions about her quitting her day job, how that's going, and any other music-related questions that you might have. Um, so you guys, welcome Chelsea Green. Chelsea, you can say hello. Hello, everybody. Hey. All right. So what we're going to do is just first, Dr. Green, first of all, let me address you correctly. In oh, all no, no, no. Um, she does have a PhD. She maybe she can tell us a little bit about that as well. Um, so now I lovingly and respectfully refer to her as Dr. Green. All right. So Chelsea, tell us a little bit about your story. You can start as early as you want to. Wow. Well, I actually well let me back up and say I I know that we probably can't even believe it, but I actually quit my day job in um 2015 oh, so, okay. so yeah so i have now celebrated two years oh, over two years um free of the day job but um i guess just a really short history of me i'm originally from houston texas i was born and raised with music and i started playing violin when i was four and i you know grew i went through school playing violin i took private lessons and did, did all that and then it was actually my my vehicle of how I was able to grow my own project out of me going to school in different areas around the country. So I did my undergrad in Austin, and then I moved to Baltimore, to DC Baltimore area to do my master's degree at Peabody Conservatory. And then I got an opportunity to finish my doctorate here. And that was really what allowed me to stay in the area and really grow the Green Project, which is my own performance ensemble, and we play contemporary jazz, R&B, soul music, and uh, so here, here we are, you know, two and a half albums later, and working on some new music, and we're touring and doing things that I prayed for, which I am so, so, so grateful um, to be able to say, but it definitely is a a concerted effort like every single day. Mm -hmm. So I, I will say that I was able to significantly grow the group after I released the day job because I was able to really free my mind of stuff that I was not really concerned with and, um, and really focus on my art and how I wanted to do it and what I wanted to do it how I wanted to do it. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Okay. Okay. So tell me what made you make the decision to actually leave the day job? What were kind of, you don't have to get into too much detail, but what sure. were the kind of situations going on or what made you decide that it was time? Kind of tell me about the decision-making process. The decision-making process there, I had a supervisor that was very flexible with my schedule. And that really was amazing because he allowed me to, you know, make, make all of my appearances or if I had to travel or something, it was never a problem. He was so accommodating to my schedule. Then he left, he left his position. And not only did he leave because I was his like second in command, they gave me all of his responsibility. 
as though it were my job and I was not getting paid for that. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that they needed somebody in that transition, but when they hired the new person, the new person did not assume his supervisor responsibilities. And so she was like, oh, you're doing it. You can keep doing it. And here I am like trying to, you know, get the green project rolling in a new way and really growing that. And then this mountain of additional responsibilities that I wasn't being compensated for. I just felt like, okay, this is God saying, wake up, wake up, let it like, just let it go. And it was me and you had talked about, you know, do I have a, a safe nest of funds to be able to rely upon for a little while? And that's what it was. A, a safe nest of funds to rely on for a little while. Um, so, you know, this is a faith walk in, in like in a way, because you really are having to make sure you're looking at your income versus what you're spending in a completely different way. So I didn't necessarily say, you know, oh, for two years I've been saving up all this money and okay, I can quit and I can feel happy and comfortable about it. The only thing I was concerned about was that I had no lapse in healthcare. <laughs> so, so, so we were working on how to end that one and start, you know, the um, ACA plan, like ASAP. And so that, once I had that, I was like, okay, great. If I get sick, I can go to the doctor and I'm done. Like that, that was it. So that was really my wake up call. Right, right, right. And so how do you feel about kind of, I know there was obviously some fear. It wasn't like, Hey, I can just jump, you know, off the cliff with nothing. Um, kind of talk about how you worked through or how we worked through some of that fear and the things that you had to kind of plan or, you know, the, the destination plan as you went along about kind of how over that first year that we worked together, kind of what we had to do in order to get you kind of comfortable with jump, jumping out of the day job. Well, I mean, I know that we, we definitely had to see what else were the big expenses for that year. And, and I know that 2014 was a unique year because I had released an album mm -hmm. that year. And so there were so many, really, it was my day job money that funded a majority of that release. Mm -hmm. So when I saw just literally, we, we kind of went line by line to see just how much it costs. And when I started looking at those costs, I was like, okay, I can't spend money like this on, like on producing another album or any type of new work because I really need to start saving that money. So we, we really looked line by line at how I was spending money. And we talked about, you know, how much I pay everybody and, you know, how just how the account works on a monthly basis. And just that awareness was really educational for me like it, it it was an eye-opener because when you have money and when you have it coming in on a regular basis you don't necessarily think about how you're spending it right right, you know, right. All, all the time when you don't have money coming in on a regular basis things become way clear like you know uh, bank of america has fees if you go below a certain threshold okay there needs to be a pad in that account, you know, for a certain reason. So, you know, it's just, we really started looking at, um, you know, ways that I could kind of save here and there to make the everyday spending a little easier. Right. Okay. And one of the things that I love that you said, cause I, the people who are in um, the group that are watching today, it's called the just do music group. 
Um, and what I've told them is that you have to use your current employer as your capital contributor. Mm -hmm. um, they're kind of your angel investor. So you have to kind of start taking money aside from that job to be able to fund your music business at the beginning. Treat them like they're your angel investor, your mm -hmm. biggest contributor to your music, and really use that money to kind of push yourself forward. So I like that you said, like, you know, you were what funded your, your album, the day job. Absolutely. And and I I guess part of me, I guess that was the Holy Spirit telling me this would be the last time your day job will allow you to do this. And I really did like a big promotional push. I had hired all these radio promoters and this and that. And I really invest the invested the money to try to get that album to a certain place financially so that I could ride on that for a couple years after it. And um, I, you know, I know that everybody's genre might be a little differently, but in, in mine, um, you know, people don't necessarily have to have a brand new album as long as they have music that's playable a lot. So, you know, we really have reworked it and tried to like, you know, uh, reinvent stuff that we've already done, do remixes and stuff like that, just to continue to play off of that until I build enough capital to really fund my new release the way I want it to be put out. Right, right. Totally understood. Okay, I like that. So tell me about some of the steps that you've taken. Um, one of the questions that we have so far is about kind of how you got your performance um, money up. So how did you go about working with um, talent buyers? And, or was that part of your process? Kind of what's your process around kind of making money performance wise? Absolutely. No, sure. I like to keep a healthy balance of private events and public performances like public ticketed per, uh, performances and i know that that looks different for everybody um but i do like to do a certain amount of private events where i know we can get a certain amount of money period instead of having to only rely on venues that give you a door deal or a bar deal or, or some type of ticket deal um and so i really wanted to you know balance and and this is something that i'll probably get into a little bit later but it having having engagements that can really pay you what you request and what you deserve those have been a blessing for me and the group because those are conduits to public ticketed performances mm. each, each and and one of the things that i started doing in hyperdrive when i became a full-time i'm sorry i don't know who's texting me like okay um when i went into hyperdrive with the the full-time musician thing is when we started doing any event that we play is you better follow up on those contacts that you meet you know make sure you write like two or three words on a business card that they give you so you can trigger your memory on you know who they are what they look like what what were they talking about you know so you can spend a dedicated four hours the next day on your email literally following up just as soon as you get get home or like organize it follow up it was so nice to meet you i'm really interested in connecting with you blah 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 and even if you don't remember who the heck they are add them to your email list because if they're serious they will follow up with you directly and and that has been such a blessing to me because that has 
opened up so many additional doors that I think I would have lost if I did not maintain communication. And, um, and, and it's just proven itself so many times that the private events are going to pay you much better than, you know, a public event where you're like relying on ticket sales. And because when you're thinking about public events and always having to sell tickets, I don't know if you're traveling a lot and doing this or if you're in your city, but A, you don't want to burn out your city on playing there all the time, trying to pull tickets all the time. You're going to run out of resources way fast. And then when you're traveling, you have to include the travel costs and you know what it's going to take for you to actually be there and do the show as part of what you're making right so it was it was a really um gentle balance between can i afford to play this gig or not and 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 that's really you know what what is the primary question now can i afford to do it for not only my performance reputation but my actual account balance right yeah, yeah i know before we had talked about i said you know you're paying you're not technically technically uh, paying to play, but because the travel costs were exceeded and you paying your band, obviously that exceeded the amount of money that you were bringing in from that gig. I'm like, you realize that you're technically paying them to go play. Exactly. And you have to kind of figure out that, that healthy balance, like you said about, okay, look, does this gig make sense based off of my account? Do I really want to spend money to be able to do this? Does it make sense for my professional profile? Like you said about performing and things like that. Does it open me up to a new market? And I love also what you said about, you know, taking those in-person connections that you have, whether you meet people at networking events or they're at your show and getting their business card or their information and then being able to add them to your email list and stay up with them going forward because that was providing you with more performance income. Absolutely. And and those are the people that are real-time interested. That's, that's what I call them. Real-time interested. They have seen what you did. They liked it. They wanted to connect. That is your moment when you when you you know lose that gap and and i still do it sometimes just just because now that it is my everyday job it's so much around what you have to do all the time that you know i really need to consider like how to reorganize my day so that i am maybe not available to everybody all day you know i i need to be available to to myself a majority of the day to to knock off items of on my to-do list and i remember we had this conversation once because i was talking about how i'm so jealous that you check your email the, the, um, <laughs> with yeah. the schedule because you know i feel like part of it is like you just feel like you're you're accessible to everybody all day and and that is not fair you like i am really starting to reevaluate my time as an artist and how i can reinvest that time and that mental energy and clarity clarity of mental you know energy and focus into what i'm doing and how to develop my craft i mean you know i'm a violinist and, and I play viola, so I like to practice. I like to practice scales and I like to practice different, you know, I'm learning how to play the piano better. So it's like, I, I like to do things that will help expand my cursory knowledge of what it is I'm, I'm doing. And when you allow yourself to be accessible to, hey, Chelsea, what's this quote? Hey, I need, I need this invoice. Hey, I need, I need you to, eat, like, where's your writer? I need this, it's like, okay, you, you have to release that, you know?
Right. And that one of the things that we talk about, again, is what are some of the things that you have to give up in order to get to where you're going? So you might have to give up checking your email all day or you might have to give up <laughs> on Netflix uh, binge watching. on days. <laughs> so to, uh, one of the things you mentioned was that you ha may have to drop some things. What on your journey to quitting the day job, what are some things that maybe you felt like you had to give up maybe personally or professionally in order yeah. to kind of achieve the goal that you of quitting the day job? Quitting the day job. I, I definitely was TV, like for, like going out and all of that was like a non-entity. When I was out, I was playing and, you know, I was working. And I remember going to U Street. I live in D.C. And there's like a really, there was, it's so sad. There was a really hopping live music scene on U Street. And I would be there every single week. I would be just there ready to plug in and play with whoever, however I could, just going. And, um, you know, so I would be at, at my job or at school and then my job and then going home, changing clothes and turning into the artist, right? And leaving and being there until like one, one in the morning. R rinse and repeat, <laughs> you know, just kind of like every day. So that was really tiresome you know and 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 really exhausting and so yeah definitely tv and and all of that was a non-entity whatsoever i think one of the other things was for me i don't like to cook i don't know about anybody else but i just don't like to cook and I just don't like the time it takes to sit and prepare a meal and you have to clean up and do all that. Cause I was looking at the time, like how much time am I spending doing this? And then I was thinking about all of the wasted money I spent on groceries I don't use. That is literally when you don't use meat and you let meat spoil in the refrigerator, that's like taking $6 and putting it in, in your trash. And I said, how many times, I, I literally, one week, I said, how much money did I just throw away? It was like $24. And I said, this is ridiculous. I, I need to really think about all of these types of little things because when I don't have my day job, I'm going to need this money. Like, I'm going to need this money in a, in a totally different way. So, you know, I really started thinking about, you know, how to compile a grocery list that makes sense for me. It's different for everybody. And, you know, and I get that. How, how to compile, um, you know, my car maintenance and my, cause that, that's going to be my, my, my travel means, you know, and, um, how, how can I make it so that when I need to travel, I know as far in advance, so I can spend less on buying the ticket or I can spend less on booking the hotel all of these like dates and trying to organize. I think organization is one of the biggest things when you're kind of like counting costs and like really trying to get your money solid in, in a new way. It's really about getting your day-to-day -day plan financially sound so you can feel, you know, safe in that. Okay. I like that. I like that. Now getting your money sound, let's talk about that a little bit. So okay. you, I know this just because, you know, we've been working together for a while, but I know you have what, what I call like a minimum performance level. So right. you have a minimum fee that you're willing to accept. How did you go about, you don't have to say what it is, but what did you, how did you go about um, determining what that should be? You know, what types of venues you're willing to play or what kind of mm -hmm. is best for you? And then give us an example maybe of, 
you know, of course, I don't want to paint the picture like your journey has been perfect, okay? Because none of us have, none of us is has. So tell us maybe about an instance where, you know, maybe an issue that you've had with the venue in the past. You, once again, you don't have to say who they are, or you know, <laughs> where you've had, you know, some things that you have been learning experiences in terms of the financial end of collecting payments or anything like that. That is kind of like a first, definitely a win. Discuss a win of kind of how you determine what your pricing is, and. Right. Then, also kind of maybe something where you've it has been a learning experience for you based off of a uh, something with the venue. Oh my goodness. Okay. We don't have enough time really to get <laughs> all of that. Uh, but I will say that what I try to do for the base performance level is consider what we need as far as equipment and then what I need to make from, from that engagement. Those, those are the, the two major, I have a base, amount that I like to pay all the people in, in my band and on my team because I just want, I have tried to operate even in this space of not having a day job. I've tried to make them not feel it in their pocket. Even though I feel it in my pocket in a different way, I've tried to keep them on the same pay schedule and in the same pay amount. So that that has sometimes been a challenge. But then we talked about, you know, how can you consider maybe not playing with the whole band sometimes? Play with half the band or play by yourself in a track or, you know, like what, what can you do to still maximize your opportunity without completely bankrupting you? So um, I, I will definitely say that with venues, I definitely try to get the minimum amount that I can to make sure everybody in the band is paid and I walk away with some profit. Mm -hmm. Now, most venues also will take a, a percentage of your CD sales and, and your merchandise sales. So that's also a consideration. I prefer to play in venues that have a lower to no percentage of your merchandise sales, you know, and I prefer playing in venues that help me promote the event. That is such a big one. When you sit and think about how much money you spend on, okay, who can I pay to help me get on the news? <laughs> you know, uh, who, who, who can I, who do I know at the newspaper to run this ad to for, for two weeks? Like all of that is part of what you're paying to be able to play that gig. And if a venue is not going to do all that they can to help you sell out that show, are they worth it? You know, are they are they worth investing your time and you spending your talent there? Because in, in a sense, they are using you as an artist to fill their seats and they are making money on food. So sometimes they're making money on drinks and they're, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They're making money. So when they come to you and say, can you play for five hundred dollars? Depending on where that is, that could be a slap in the face. And, and I really was done with that. I said, you know, I, I do too much. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my student loan payments every month. And I'm like, oh, um, okay, next. We, we're, <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> so the student loan don't care that I'm a freelance musician, you know. So I, I really had to say, okay, I want to play in venues that will at least give me a guarantee that I can work with, okay. you know, I can still walk away with a profit. I think I, I just really turned into the person that was like, I have to walk away with, with a profit. Some of these venues don't necessarily want to offer you that. Okay. And, and, and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I no longer play with those venues. 
Um, at least not not right now, you know, because I can't be because I literally just can't afford it. That makes sense. That makes sense. So one of the questions that someone in the group has is, how do you make sure that you don't burn out in your own city? So you were talking about different venues, and I know you played in the D.C. Baltimore uh, region for a while, and that's not necessarily a music town, if you will. Um, but it, it, let's kind of talk about kind of how you can avoid burning out, you know, your city and what you've done to make sure that you don't, you know, overexpose yourself in one market. Absolutely. Again, I'm going to go back to private events. Pri private events are, you know, it's where it's at. I don't personally um, play a lot of weddings because weddings and birthday parties require things that I'm not necessarily able to always commit to. So like if, if they, cause they want you to, you know, book yourself very far in advance, which I'm not able to do because we get touring opportunities that happen kind of last minute. Um, and so, but if that's something that you can do and you feel comfortable doing that, that is another great way to keep sure to, to make sure that your income is staying relevant and, and it's healthy and that it's there and that you can, you know, work with those types of events. But definitely I tried to, um, you know, I, last year I said, okay, I'm, I'm only going to play a public ticketed show every few months. Okay. And so I would, I would literally have to have enough private events kind of stockpiled to help us survive until we got to that bigger show. Not only did that help me with the burnout, but it also in significantly increased the ticket sales. Because when your audience knows that you're only playing every, every few months, they're going to buy that ticket and they're going to buy it in advance because they don't see you on the calendar. So that also is helping you build your fan base. And, and they're telling you, oh, well, girl, you have to go see this girl now because she's not going to, you know, be here for like until November. So, so that, that's also a great way to do it. Um, but I think private events is, is certainly how we really do it. Okay. And so with your private events, uh, another mm -hmm. question we have is when you're booking a private event, do you ask for a deposit? And, you know, um, is that, you know, if you're asking for a deposit, what percentage do you kind of go off of, or do you go off of a certain amount that has to be paid for the deposit? I think that a deposit depends on what everybody needs. I like to request half. Um, because to me, that is a solid enough amount for them to be real. Like this is a real committed amount where they've given you, all, you know, half the money. So they, they, they are invested and I am now invested in the opportunity, but also it's not so much that if something were to happen and it had to be canceled, that you wouldn't completely go under if you had to give it back. Um, and I think that that's always a consideration for however people want to run run their business. Um, but for me, there are certain items like backline and writer items that I need to request in, in advance of the date. So that helps me fund that. You know, I, I work on deposits and balance payments. <laughs> that, that's kind of how, how my life runs. So like, especially if we're going out of town, I need a healthy amount of deposit money to buy plane fare and ground transportation and, you know, to make sure that is covered way, way in advance. So, and there have been opportunities where we, like we just did one where we were playing out of town. I had to ride on faith because it was a government event and they would not release the money until I performed. So, you know, it, it, 
it's, 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 it's a per event type of thing, you know, and, um, but I definitely always ask for a deposit. Yeah. And I know you were, that one was a government event, um, that you knew that they, you know, they had the money, right? <laughs> right. it wasn't right. where you were going to perform and wind up kind of in the hole in the long run. Mm-hmm. It was just a matter of kind of being able to float it until, so you kind of have to go on a per, uh, customer, right. if you will, basis, depending on right. what their reputation is. Right. Right. And, and sometimes their reputation is not what ends up happening with you either. You know, so so it 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 really is like a faith walk because um, you you just have to know that you know whatever you're willing to invest is what you're willing to invest, and if it doesn't work out, hopefully you can write it off. That's that's <laughs> that's what I try to do. Right, right, and I know it's so funny. We so you, I love that everything that you say it just kind of flows into the questions they have. So one of the questions was, do you have an LLC um, that you're using? For ta- are you incorporated? Are you using that for tax write offs? I, so I'm, I'm about to start working with someone that kind of wants to, she's wrangled me and she's been like, you need to get your, yourself together. Um, and we talked about LLC for so like for a couple of years. And I think I am going in that direction. I, I don't have it yet, but I, from what you've said, um, I definitely understand the benefits of having an LLC and it is very easy to do. So I, I definitely want to start going in, in that direction. I'm, I haven't done it yet. Only because I just am doing all this by myself and it's, and it's quite, you know, a big responsibility. So I just want to be able to have the time to go get it done. But no, I'm, I'm headed in that direction, but not, not yet. Not yet. Good, good point. Okay. So, um, one of the other questions was as the band leader, cause that's what, you know, that's the, the position that you're operating in as right. a band leader, do you pay yourself more than you pay the other members? Um, and if you do, how do you kind of determine wh- or how do you determine what's fair payment to the other people who are on your team? I, so I think the benefit that I have is I am also a side man on other people's, uh, gigs as well. So I live in both worlds, you know, right. I, I tour as a side man and as a band leader. And so I really get to get a bead on kind of what the, what the general rate going rate is for like different levels of independent artists. But I, I definitely try to pay my band um, a fair amount. And we've talked about how, how sometimes I maybe pay a little bit on the high side, but I try to make sure all of my team members feel valued and important. And like, I really, I'm grateful that that they're on my team. So I try not to adjust their their income too much. Sometimes I do get paid more. Um, and again, because I don't have an LLC, I don't technically pay myself. I just get the remainder of whatever is left after everybody else get paid and after all of the um, fees are paid to my sound people and, and, and my backline providers. So I just get the, the, the residual. Sometimes that's nothing. Sometimes I'm in the hole, like I'm in the red on a gig. Sometimes it is like $500 more, but then the next day you have to buy six plane tickets with that. You see what I'm saying? So my income is the band's income, which is another vote for the LLC. You know, I would like to get paid um, and, and, and sometimes I don't. But I operate just kind of off of what is in the account for the group. And, um, and you're right. So 
because and, and I only started doing that because I started realizing how much of my personal income I was using for the group anyway. Mm-hmm. So that was the original reason why I was doing that. Um, but now it would be nice to actually pay myself and then still have some operating income. But I think it really depends on wherever the the person is, like however they are as a band leader and what they need the funds for. Okay. And I know, uh, so I kind of want to, um, we've got about 10 minutes left. So I want to mm-hmm. um, make sure that I ask you some of the questions about the tour that you just finished. Um, over okay. um, and also one of the things I know that you and I have talked about before is kind of, you know, I think the first year we ever worked together, I did your tax return and you were like, oh my gosh, that's how much I made. And then it was, oh my gosh, that's how much I paid my band. Like, so you never really had that full <laughs> number ahead of time to know kind of, wow, I didn't know I was making that much or, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I'm surprised by how much was brought in, but because sometimes you get so caught up in this is how much I'm paying out. And so you don't really feel like you see it, you know, right. it kind of comes in and goes out without a plan. Sometimes ahead of time, you're kind of operating based off of what's available. Mm-hmm. So I know we did talk about you also paying yourself um, like you're a band member. So if they each, right. let's say for example, they each get 200 bucks a show. Well, in that case, then we should also factor in that Chelsea is one of the members of the band and she deserves a minimum of that same amount. Right, right, right. <laughs> so everybody gets paid the same at least and, you, know, you kind of build yourself up as you go mm-hmm. um, so I know you just finished a tour um, overseas um, and that came about through a government opportunity and one of the things that I often talk about is having you know not sticking to the typical type of venue or type of um, performance or type of revenue opportunity what I call money-making opportunities um, there's a lot of other things and I've bragged the heck out of you um, in terms of like how you've dealt with some nonprofits in the past mm-hmm. that don't have a budget um, and, you know, you being able to be able to sell your CDs as opposed to, um, you know, or have the CDs be the giveaway item um, that they purchase ahead of time. So tell me kind of how the both the tour opportunity came about and, you know, how that went. I'm so proud of you for that. And then <laughs> also kind of how, you know, when you deal with someone who tells you they don't have a budget kind of Mm -hmm. how you deal with that, what other types of creative things that you've asked for and have been able to get and kind of how you approach anybody, whether it be a private venue or otherwise that kind of tries to get you to pay to play or even we don't have a budget type of a thing. Well, okay. Well, the tour, the the tour opportunity was uh, called American Music Abroad and it's a state department opportunity that um, selects nine, eight or nine groups all o- from all over the country each year to go tour in, in places where, you know, the U.S. really wants to reestablish and reconnect with whatever country it is or, or whatever area or region it is. So, um, you know, it's not a vacation and <laughs> you are going to work, but um, it is, we, you know, they, they hear about, or, or they receive about 350 like or so applications every year and then they pick like eight or nine. So it, it is a really selective process, which is why I was just so grateful that we got the opportunity, but we traveled to the Middle East uh, and to Eastern Europe. So we did, it was five weeks and we were in like Egypt and Kuwait and Oman, like some really traditional places in the Middle East. And then, and then we went over to Moldova, which is an area like kind of in the Ukraine zone. And so it was, I mean, it, it was very intense with the schedule. You know, it was a lot of playing, a lot of, a, a lot of, uh, 
moving and traveling and doing this. But one of the things that I will say was like you were just mentioning about diversifying your profile. One of the huge parts of that opportunity was educational outreach. And we did a lot of it there. And th that's just another thing that we do a lot of here. And, and that is one of the ways that I work with the nonprofits um, because I do have the educational backing as well to kind of re reform or, or reformulate what we do, not only as a performance, but also as an educational opportunity. And, and that is something that I'm actually looking into how to start my own non nonprofit to, to really uh, showcase that as well, because music is not in schools as much anymore. So a lot of these, you know, which, which is horribly sad and, and I can't even get into how the government wants to rip that from our whole world. And I'm just like losing it about it, but all with, with all that aside, um, that there is an opportunity there for an independent artist to then take what they do and bring it into the school and it be uniquely yours. Right. So these schools, especially private schools and Montessori schools and other types of institutions that are really starving for some arts exposure, you can then take what you do on stage and make it an educational model. And that is another income stream. It's another way to stay working. And it's something that not only you can shop school by school, maybe you can shop it to a district. Maybe you can, you know, shop it to a nonprofit organization that already does school outreach, that already has those government background checks covered and all that, that you can go through them. Um, but there are so many opportunities to utilize that. Like, say, if you went to college and majored in communications and you wanted to take your vocal exercises and turn it into like a, a media mashup of like how, how you do this with that. Like there's so many different ways for you to be creative with your educational outreach that it, that can be another conduit to income as well. Right. Okay. Okay. And so with the, so it sounds like you've kind of like determined different, what I call, like I said, money-making opportunities that you've kind of expanded between education, obviously merchandise, performance revenue, mm -hmm. um, and kind of being able to um, bridge between all of those different things and taking your performance and using it in different ways. Um, and so I really like that. Like there's, it's not just, hey, I have to get paid to be on stage. You've kind right. of integrated that into several different things. Um, so that's really great too. So I think today we talked about a couple of things. We talked about, you know, how you made your decision to quit your mm -hmm. day job, some things that you had to drop or give up in order to kind of get there. Um, you said yeah. tea was a, not a thing for you. Um, it sounds like you cut out <laughs> cooking too, which is okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm not wasting this grocery money or this time. Uh -uh. You really <laughs> your time well to determine, okay, obviously you're still working full time and you were in school full time, I think at that time too. I was, yeah. yeah so you had a lot going on. So you really had to manage your time well, mm -hmm. um, you know, that you use your capital or your day job as your capital contributor. Um, mm -hmm. They helped, you know, fund your album unknowingly, but they did. Um, right. Ash that you were bringing in went there. Um, and then also being able to just, you know, take different money making opportunities and spin your performance and your music into multiple income streams from you that aren't just the typical, hey, buy my CD, which people do buy your CDs, but it's not mm -hmm. just that and the performance you've done, you know, um, a lot of other things as well. And I know, I think you're a voting Grammy me member, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm on the board of the DC chapter. Okay. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you say very involved in the music community um, in the DC area too. So that's great. So I just love that you're taking those in-person connections that you have, like you said, and building those people into your email list and all of that kind of thing. Um, so any last words? Is there anything? I know we have like two minutes left and I don't want to <laughs> run over your time. I know you've, you've got a lot going on too. So yeah, yeah. Anything, any last words of advice? Um, you know, oh, okay, sorry. Somebody said you didn't answer the no budget question. How do you answer, how do you address people who, um, you know, nonprofits or anybody else who says that they don't have a budget? When, when somebody says that they don't have a budget and if you don't want to do the gig, just say no. That, that if they have no budget, then they don't have a way to support what you're doing. You, you have to look at every time you play, that is, does that opportunity need to pay a bill? And, and that is something that I think about in real time every single time I talk to somebody. And the power of no actually t- changes the conversation very quickly. So, so if they say they have absolutely no budget and you say, well, unfortunately, I would love to play it, but unfortunately, I'm just not available. Sometimes that is, okay, well, bye. And that's the end of the conversation. Most of the time for me, I can only use my experiences. It's, well, I think we can pull up a sponsor here, or I think we can utilize something from this or the, they're not telling the caterer that they don't have a budget. They're, you know, they're not renting the venue for free. So they can't expect for you to just come and do your thing for free. So I think the power of no is something that is a a more than reasonable ask. And you can just say, well, these are my core costs that I need to cover to be able to do this event. Just like the caterer or any other vendor that you might be working with, I do have, you know, um, items that, that I need to pay for that if you're not able to provide a, a budget for unfortunately i won't be able to play that usually changes the conversation very quickly and is there at this point obviously in the younger point if you will in your career was mm-hmm. were there any um you know nonprofits or other people without a budget that you went ahead and did the performance for what people call exposure oh oh yes for you Yes, I mean, and, and the exposure thing is is a real thing too. Not, not something that you can bank on a lot, but it is something, and I have done those uh, for free as well, and I still do, because sometimes, you know, you just want to do, to just do it anyway. And, and just like I said, with following up and networking at the event, that usually does open up another paid opportunity, so... Okay. Okay. And last question from someone they're asking: Do you have? Do you read business books? And if so, uh, which ones would you recommend? Do I read business books? I I don't personally. I probably should. I I have not read any business books personally, but um, I do know that there are several that are that are really really good. Um, I probably should expand my educational development on that, or or, or, or as you would say, professional development on that. Um, but no, I mean, I think business books are great. I think that really understanding how money works is just going to be the key to do it. And I guess my advice would, would, would be don't let fear stop you from, from stepping out. Um, fear is, is something that is, it's, it's a weird thing that likes to play with your emotions in, in so many different ways. And, and it becomes a roadblock. And I, I just think it's not fair to allow a feeling to stop you from your future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think that you, you have to 
get an idea, just, just get a grip on what you are willing to do and what you're willing to, how you're willing to shape yourself. And one of the biggest things that I was impacted by, um, a, a few years ago, <laughs> which also helped with the stepping out on faith thing. My aunt actually passed away just in, in her sleep. She was healthy. She had, she had nothing wrong with her healthy. I mean, just what she just passed away. And that was a wake up call for me. We are not promised every day. And, uh, you know, we need to seize each moment because I, I really feel that music is, is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt unfair that I wasn't giving him what he, he deserved because even through playing at a venue or a club or something like that, it's a ministry. And, and what you're doing is impacting people. And you have to be able to be fed in your ministry to give your, your best. So I would just say, don't, don't let fear make you not step, step out on faith and, um, you know, save as you can and then let it grow, you know, grow, grow from there. But also don't let people treat you any kind of way just because you're hungry for something that you think could, could happen. Really get some realistic benefits from each opportunity. Right. Exactly. I like that. Cause there's, there's several different things that can happen. You know, what does exposure really mean? Are they willing to promote it on social media? You know, figure out what that exposure really is. Are there people that, you know, is the keynote speaker, someone that you really want to get in touch with? Is there, you know, what else, who else is going to be in the room that you could benefit from? And can you ask for a direct introduction or, you know, how are they going to promote you on social media, et cetera. So if it's exposure, let them kind of prove to you what that exposure would be. So you gave us some really good quotables. You're going to start seeing these on uh, Growth Group's Instagram account, I am sure of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me, Alexis. I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. Um, you know, coming, you know, using your morning with me this morning and um, being with us today. So uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off, everybody. Thank you for asking your questions. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, Thank you, everybody. At work, quietly listening. Um, so I was glad Chelsea was able to join us. Thank you, Dr. Green. We appreciate your time today. Um, and the rest of y'all, we will see you in the Facebook group. If you have any remaining questions, um, you know, let me know and I can maybe shoot those to Chelsea later. But for the most part, she has answered a ton of questions for you guys today. So I really, really, really appreciate her being so open. Um, you know, I'm grateful for you being here with us today. So we all have a good one. Bye, Chelsea. Have a good day. Enjoy Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.